back on the podcast team. Today, just wrapped up a chat with my client, Bryson, who is the 2022 GNCC ATV champion. I thoroughly enjoyed this chat and I'm sure many of you will gain plenty of value and insight that you could potentially use in in your own training and just in life in general. So heaps of gold in here. We went through Bryson's story, his injury, training, nutrition, the mental side of racing, and all how all of those things have played into him winning this championship. So it was an awesome chat. We're going to get straight into it. If you get if you love this one and you get some value out of it, if you could share it, that would mean the world to me. Get in a little bit of traction with the podcast of late. So good old social media makes the world go around. So if you love this podcast, if you could share it, I'd be forever grateful. Otherwise, get into this one and I hope you all enjoy it. Today, we're on the podcast with Bryson Neal, the GNCC ATV champion. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going good, man. It's just a beautiful day out here in Ohio. The sun's out and uh, still got some good weather in the forecast and uh, just trying to soak it up and take it easy on this Friday afternoon and hang out and talk to you, man, my best friend from Australia. <laughs> awesome, man. How how does it feel that that the GNCC champion's got a good ring to it? Uh yeah, still getting used to it, man. It's uh it's really now just starting to sink in. You know, I I my teammate who um this year on the Magnum One Motorsports team, Jordan Ashburn, who won the XC one title. I talked to him the night, you know, after and uh when we still at the GNCC that night at the Ironman. And he said, it won't feel real. He said, it, it, it took me a few days. He said, it took me actually a week until it really started to settle it in. And I believe him, you know, it's just, uh, I, I got the bike over there in the shop and just walking in and turn the lights on and seeing that one plate, it's just still kind of unreal to be like, yeah, we, we did it. You know, a lot of work that goes into it. A lot of years, a lot of miles traveled, a lot of fuel burnt through a carburetor or throttle body. So it's, <laughs> it's just, just proud. That's all I can say. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, I definitely want to get into the championship this year, but I thought it'd be cool to sort of take it back a bit and tell us where it all began for you. Because um, as we've spoken about, like the quads thing in Australia isn't really as big as what it seems like it is, obviously, over in the States. So I think you've told me that you've never even ridden a two-wheeled bike before. It's just always been always been quads for you. So tell us where that sort of began. Um. Well, I, it started, I, I'd love to, you know, it started whenever I think I was five years old and I did have a little bit of a two wheel experience. It started out in the P-Dub, just like a lot of people, you know, the PW50 and um, it was just a hobby. You know, we just rode around the yard and I didn't have no training wheels, but we rode around the yard and we went to some fair races and uh, beg dad, beg mom, you know, let me race because my dad, he raced and uh he did GNCC starting in 2000. Uh, he's on the two stroke on the 250Rs on an ATV. And uh, I knew he raced and I wanted to do it real bad. So uh, it was actually a turn of events. It was my mom, who who was the, my dad. He owned a tire shop back then. Uh, it's called Poor Boy Tires. And my mom was the one who he was busy working, doing all that. My mom was the one who actually took me to my first couple fair races and kind of got me started. And uh, we did the dirt bike thing for, for a couple of years. And about the age that I got to the 65, 
Um, can you hear me? Yeah. Did, did you yeah. lose me first? No, man, it's good. Still got you. Okay. I had a phone call come in and my screen, it flipped both ways and I didn't know if I lost yeah, you. Right. So. No, I got you, man. All right, good. So, um, and then when I got to the 65, you know, I really wanted to try a, a four wheeler and my dad got me Honda 90 and I wanted to do what my dad did. Cause you know, he was my hero. He was my role model. He's my best friend. So got on the Honda 90 and we just never looked back. You know, I, I went to my first GNCC race at the first ever GNCC youth ATV race in history, um, 2004. And it was at Ironman Raceway. And I remember they didn't even start us from the official starting line. It was like they started us from the side of the field. I, it, the rain was pouring down. Back then, it wasn't the, the nice Ironman Raceway everyone knows now with the, the gated fences and the, the, the concrete and the gravel parking. It was all a cornfield. And to get into the place on a mud weekend, you basically just you paid your wristband and you just took took your truck and trailer as far as you could and when wherever you got stuck that's kind of where he was till the weekend it was over till everything dried up or they pulled you out so it was so muddy and um i think i ended up um i won my class and i think i got fourth overall or something and uh it was it was so much fun nothing ever like that and uh but i didn't really ever have much success coming through the youth ranks you know i was never um, I was never the fastest guy. I never won races. I, I never won a championship. Um, really, you know, that was one of my first and only wins in GNCC. You know, I was always at a weird age where I was a little guy racing with the big boys. And um, the next few years, you know, I raced the Honda 90 all the way up until 2007, 2008. And then 2009, we took a year off of racing. Um, because I was at that weird in-between stage where you had to be 13 years old to ride a, a 250 Yamaha or Honda 300DX with the big boys in the 10 a.m. race. But I was 12 at the start of the year and halfway through the year, my birthday's in July. So I wasn't able to really, I was at that weird stage where like, well, we don't really want to ride a 90 again and race youth. Like, so we kind of we just stayed home and we rode. We, we had an, a 300. We had fun. We went to some locals. I came out at, at some of the races later in, in 2009. I got my butt whooped when I went up to the big boys. And uh, 2010, we had some really good friends. And um, I started off the year pretty slow. But toward the end, I really started to get it. We got with some good people. Uh, we got some better sponsors. And I uh, got a better engine program. And I started getting better, but I had never won my first race until in a GNCC until 2010 at Snowshoe. Snowshoe Mountain was my first ever win. And it wasn't until I was, you know, 15 years old, basically, after following the, the series for that long. You know, I was never some some all-star like Walker. He he ripped all the way through the U Franks and was dominating and all that. And I but once I got that first win, it really turned on. And um, the next four races after that, we we was all over all over the the guy for the for the win for the for the championship. He was a really good friend of mine, Braden Henthorn. He won all the races up to that point, and he still whipped my butt that year. But he kind of handed me the torch. 2011, 
I figured it out. I won my first championship and I won multiple races that year. And we went from schoolboy to college A, which is an afternoon class. I won. I had a great year, won college A my first year, moved right up to Pro-Am. And my first year in Pro-Am in 2013, I won that year. And then I was like, well, let's just go on up to the pro class. And then uh, it took us several years to, to reach this point. You know, looking back, there's I'm giving you guys the short version, but there's so many you know, miles traveled and days and years and butt kickings. But, um, when I first went to the pro class, my goal was to be that sixth place guy. Cause I knew the top five were on a different level. They were just in a different area code and I knew I didn't have it to, to run with them all the way to, late into the two hour race. So I, I accomplished that. I finished up sixth place for the year and I got on the podium and a fourth place. I had some kind of some good rides. And then my next year, my goal was that I want to get top five. So I got number five the next year, um, got got a podium or two. Then the next year, I was like, well, I want to try to get on the podium more often. You know, 2016, I think I got on the podium eight, seven or eight times out of 13. Had one of my better years, but I still had a lot of breakdowns, still learned a lot. Um, then 2017, I became a top three rider week in and week out. 2018 i got my first ever win at uh, round three in georgia and at the end of that year i became number two and then 2019 i started to become pretty routine that that number two guy and 2020 was whenever i had my breakout year i started to win races week in and week out and i won i think four or five races that year and i really had momentum going to the next season and that takes us to 20, 2021, came out, and I won three of the first six. Walker won the other three. We had such raw speed. The bike was working awesome, but we had a couple of mechanical breakdowns. And then what led to you and me meeting each other, uh, the John Penton in 2021 happened, and I wrecked, and I tore my lateral, um, my lateral meniscus, bucket handle tear, and um fellow rider who races the dirt bikes who had a total knee replacement Stu Baylor he had been working with with you Ben at off-road performance coach and he put me in contact with you got me rehabbed and that just from there you know we are where we are right now you know it just those how that's the shortest that's the, that's the shortest version I can give you <laughs> and I think about boring you guys out because I know you guys don't want to hear all that but no, I think that's I, I I think there's heaps of value in that, man. Like it, I know there's gonna be heaps of value in this whole just this whole conversation. That's why I'm excited to have it with you. But like that just in itself, what you just mentioned, I think there's probably so many young guys that are coming up that might be listening to this that can take some value from that because it's I've got a couple of clients who are like only 13, 14 years old, and I tell them that all the time, like if the goal is to win in 10 years, like which you're like, you're 26, 27 now, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like it kind of doesn't matter if you're not winning when you're 13 or 14, you don't have to be winning when you're 13 or 14, you have to be learning how to win and you learn how to win by losing. Like if yes. you can, if you can learn from those days when you struggle and when it's hard, that's what's going to give you the, I guess the tools later on down the track to learn how to win. 
Yeah, you're exactly right. You got to go through it. You know, you don't always start out on the top. You're, you're not the fastest guy. And I see it so many times that, that people get into this racing or, you know, other sports and they immediately think that, you know, the status quo is if we're not first, it, it's, we're not having fun. And when you put that type of pressure, especially, you know, on a kid at a young age, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Sometimes mm -hmm. things, some people learn things quicker than others. Some people pick something up in a year It's sometimes you're like me and you got to learn the long way and, and the hard way. Got to take a lot of lessons, a lot of things on the chin and uh, you develop it and, and just put it together with a span of a few years. You know, it's a, it's a process and everyone has a different destination and a different finish line. And uh, everyone goes through their own hurdles and hoops uh, to get there. So, you know, you, you, you got to just put your time in, you know, that's, that's really the best advice I could give anyone is that, you know, you got to keep believing and you just got to put your licks and wounds in and keep trying to push forward because if you want it bad enough and you got good people around you and you can get there one day, if you really keep your head down, you keep working. Yeah. Yeah, man. I heard, um, Mike Slater, I'm sure you probably know Mike Slater. He's from the USA. I heard him on a, po on a podcast the other day. He said, you got to, win like you lose and lose like you win and i thought that was a great a great quote because it's it's so true like you just said i, I like that I, I i actually i did not hear that podcast but i like that saying a lot that's good yeah. that's really good you know it's you don't always start out on top you don't and uh you got to put your licks and wounds in like i said it takes time and it takes so long and you know, you and me meeting each other in 2021, it was one of the best things that ever happened was me getting hurt. And we'll get into that. But, you know, you're not always on top. And sometimes you got to strip everything down to the bare bones and start fresh and, and just kind of go at it with a, with a fresh, clear mind and, and a different strategy. Yeah. So like before we get to that point, like how was it? Because Walker, he's won that championship like seven years running, right, before this mm -hmm. year. So how was that for you to, like, keep lining up year after year knowing that this guy's just dominating and winning championship after championship? Uh, it's tough. It's tough because in, in the ATV world, you know, GNCC, since 1993 or 1994, whenever Barry Hawk won his first title, he won seven championships in a row. And then after him, Bill Balance won, and then he won nine years in a row. Then when right. Bill Balance ended, Chris Borge, he won six years in a row. And then Walker ended that streak, and he won seven years in a row. You know, and coming up through the ranks of the years, 2015, 16, you know, it's tough, you know, looking at a guy. He, he's got the factory Yamaha support. He's getting the good starts, and, and he's beating you by a minute. And you're going through – your daily regiment and you're working out and you think that what you're doing is, is, is everything you got, you know what I mean? And, and you're going through your emotions. You're like, dang man, like what's he doing? What's he got? Like, but it's just, it takes time, you know, and the closer, the, the more the years went on, the more that I, I grew as an individual and I got older, I was wiser, smarter, and I kind of got more experience. I kind of started looking at him like he's just another dude. You know what I mean? He's just another guy. And uh, everyone puts their pants on the same way. 
And uh, I was like, why, why can't I do that? You know? And I got with some great people and, and uh, we, we was able to get the bike working really good. And I was able to get faster and, and my fitness and, and uh, it's just, it's an honor at the end of the day to join such a list of great elite athletes, because it's like, it's a very short list of people who's dominated on the ATV side. And um, just to be able to join such an elite group, you know, they're, they're all got one thing in, to- in common. They're all tough, gritty-fied, and they always dug down deep and had something special that, that not many other people had. Yeah, 100%, man. It's a credit, credit to you for sure. Um, so, yeah, like when we take it up to 2021, when, when you had the accident, what was sort of, what was your first thought, like, when you were injured about moving forward? Like, where was your headspace moving forward after the accident? Oh, well, I can, it's, you know, it's, it's something looking back at it now, but you know, I, I'm not on no five-year plan. I'm not, I don't have my, my racing career guaranteed for five years or anything. And basically when I got hurt, I was on a year to year basis, you know, well, whereas that, you know, my dad, he's black and white and we got a very upfront relationship. It just, we, we say the hard things out loud and um, it, we got a kind of a realistic attitude toward it. And, you know, his goal is he wants to teach me how to work and make money, you know, and provide. And, uh, he runs the excavating company now and, and, uh, he, he needs me. You know what I mean? He wants me, he wants to train me and, and he's allowed me to, I was able to start making money and do this. And, um, you know, when I got hurt, um, the first reaction from both parents was just like, man, maybe it's time we've been doing this for a long time. Maybe it's time to, maybe it's time to pull the plug. Maybe it's time to walk away. And, um, the first thoughts were gloom, you know, cause I've, I've only had one other really, really hard injury. I broke my femur, um, back in 2010, actually, you know, I skipped over that point whenever I was giving you guys a rundown of my career. Um, at the end of 2010, I broke my femur and I actually, I tore my ACL that same day as well. But the doctor, we, I had no idea. He just fixed my, or my, fixed my femur, put a rod and two nails in me, slapped me back together. And I did the recovery and I never knew this whole time. My ACL had still been torn, never fixed. And, um, yeah, it was tough. It was a very, very tough first couple of weeks. Cause I was just looking around like, man, you know, I love racing. I love everything about this. And, is it really over? And it was really, really difficult at first because I almost, I almost believed it for a second. Yeah. But obviously, man, like, like you say, like you said before that you've like deep down, you've always believed that it was the championship was a reality and it was going to happen. So you obviously tapped into that. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I held on to, you know, I was like, I'm, I'm the closest I've ever been, you know, we've, yeah, we've been doing this for several years, but I'm finally at a point where I'm figuring it out. I'm, 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 I felt like I was putting down some of the fastest lap times on the track, the way I was feeling the bike, the way I was riding my fitness. I was just like, man, I'm really figuring this out. I like, if I can get back together, get healed, like, 
I know I can do this, you know, and, and I, I, I doubled down and, and my dad had my support more than, more than, Oh, mama, Neil, mama, Neil didn't want us to do it no more, but we, you know, we, we doubled down and uh, within a span of a few days, you know, I was just like, we had, I had my mind made up and I was just like, this is what's going to happen. This is what's going to go on. And um, then I got hooked up with you. I met you with something that changed my life and uh, was able to strip this, strip this program down to the bare bones, like I said, and, and just have a fresh start, fresh energy and um, a new outlook teachings all that and and uh, there's a combination of a lot of things that that led to the year that we had this year yeah totally man um i think like anyone that's been injured before will know like that first two weeks after an injury is like gonna be the hardest period you could ever have in your life potentially like you're gonna if there's ever gonna be a time that you're gonna want to quit it's that first two weeks after an injury yeah. And, and the famous saying goes, is you're only as good as your last race. And when you get hurt and you're not lining up at the races no more, you, it's true. You, you, you get forgotten about pretty quickly because the racing and everything, the action, it continues. It goes on. And uh, whenever you're sitting on the sidelines and everyone's out there racing and you're sitting there watching from the window, it's it's a tough, tough spot to be in mentally. You know what I mean? So it's you got to have support from a group around you and, and you just got to try to believe because you're right. The first couple of weeks, my goodness, I went to war with myself because I, I'm a guy, I can't sit still. I love to work out every day. I like to do something and to just be pretty well couch ridden and not be able to do anything. I was just not be able to ride, but work out. I was just banging my head against the wall. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> so like let's let's get into the the training a little bit i like we're not going to give away all our secrets for sure but tell me like because i know you've we've spoken about it you've learned a lot in the last 12 months and we've we've kind of i guess we've probably changed a lot as well in that process so what do you think's like one of the or a couple of the biggest things that you've learned or changed over the like the 12 months since we've been training I say probably the biggest is that strength, you know what I mean? Strength training will help you on the machine. People, they, they hear weightlifting and they automatically think of a, of a three rep, three rep max on bench press or doing bicep curls or, you know, doing some type of Olympic powerlifting. And, uh, you know, you got to have a balance of everything. Uh, we're throwing around machines that are hundreds of pounds, whether you ride a dirt bike or a quad and you're the task and the toll that it takes on the body and the load that it, that it needs that you show me the way that, that when you incorporate strength training, um, you know, squats and, and um, trap bar deadlifts and hinge movements and, and all the, and everything that goes with it, you know, and all the other um real intricate workouts that we got into that the feeling that it gave me on the bike you know i was able to be in more control because i went from being a skinny mini guy you know whenever i got hurt i was probably 185 and you took me and by the end of our winter winter um our, our entire training and then to the winter i i was up to 195 and I was the strongest I'd ever been. I was the best I ever felt. 
I used to get tired and kind of, kind of winded and, and feel fatigued. And, and then I just, I felt like I could go. I felt like I had energy for days. Felt like these legs could carry me. I could throw around the bike. I, I could, I had more power for my workouts. Whenever I, we got on the rower or he's biking or whatever he's doing, felt like I had more power behind me. And that's just people really don't understand how important it is to have incorporate lifting in the right way into your workouts, into your daily regimen for, for your motorcycle or ATV use for, for the purpose. Totally, man. And that's exactly what I was going to say is incorporating it the right way, because it's not like you weren't strength training before, like you were doing some form of strength training um, it just wasn't really building the right areas that like that we have built. So what what did it sort of like roughly look like before? Because I'm sure there's heaps of people out there listening to this that'll be like, oh, I am like I am strong. I am training strength. Like what did what did an average sort of workout look like back before we started? So I was looking I like my legs, I had I had skinny legs. I was gonna say still can we that- can we tell the Uncle Mike story? Yeah, we can. We can. <laughs> Uncle Mike, he used to make fun of me. He, Uncle Mike, he's like my second dad, and he goes to all the races with me. He loves to cook, loves to eat good, but he'd always give me crap saying I got bird legs, chicken legs, this and that. <laughs> trying to trying to smoke some wings on the grill, have me eat pulled pork. Like, oh, we gotta put some meat on your bones, boy. <laughs> I would, I would be thinking that I was doing the work. I'd go in and I'd do an hour and a half leg day once a week and be like, man, I killed it. I killed it, but I could never put on size. And with all the cardio I was doing and with the foods that I was eating, you know, it, it takes a steady regimen. It takes volume. Volume is the word that sticks out that I never understood before is that I was just thinking that I could get by with one leg day a week and put squeeze everything into an hour to, to hour and a half session and I would get the results. And until I met you and I followed your structure and, and your regimen, you know, my eyes just blew open. Like there's so many little details that I, I worked out my whole life. I had been a gym rat and I thought I knew everything. And my goodness, was I in for a rude awakening that I didn't know crap. So you, you opened my eyes and uh, you taught me so much. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's really important that everyone can learn something, no matter how old you are or how many years of experience you got, you know, sometimes it's better to take advice or take the extra second and really invest and try to learn because a guy like me, I, I wouldn't have took advice from anyone. I thought I knew it all, but my goodness, was I wrong. And I'm so happy that you showed me the light and you showed me the way. <laughs> fast forward now, I got 195 and, and I can put up I can put up more more weight, more numbers you know, on my squat and my deadlift than I've ever done in my life. And um, and also maintain a physique to, to race a four-wheeler and, and have the two-hour plus cardio. So impressive. 100%. That's what I was going to say, man. Like you're yeah, routinely squatting and deadlifting three, 350 pounds. Like, like it's nothing like that's easy money for you now, but we've still managed to improve your, your cardiovascular fitness at the same time. It's not like you have to sacrifice one to improve the other. You can have both at the same time. So it's, 
it's a credit to you, man, like you just said, just for being open to it, because I know that I do do things a little bit different to what most guys do. So it, I really do take my hat off to you, man, for trusting the process and, and doing that work. Uh, you know, whenever we met, I never liked the thought of ever like, like I'm going to be completely honest. I never liked the thought of, of having uh, someone kind of tell me what to do or having a trainer or taking advice and it, you, you changed my life. You know, you need someone else with another set of eyes who's been through the experience and, and all your years of learning and everything that you know. And you took a guy who was just a skinny, mini chicken leg guy who, who thought, thought he was doing something and, and you showed me the way. And um, you got to have a balance. And that's the right word. You know what I mean? We, the workouts at first, um, first fresh out of knee surgery, you know, they were long and a lot of stretching, small baby work. And we just, we worked our way through it, you know, from, from step one, all the way to the very end. And once I was able to go a hundred percent and release and, and really start your program, um, pretty well fully in December, you know, we, the build up and, and all those days, leading to that point and knowing how I felt and seeing how much strong I was getting and seeing the size I was putting on. And I still wasn't even able to meet my hundred percent yet. I was putting on more size it, by the time I was in October, my legs were already about the size, like bigger than what I had whenever I was in my tip top shape, what I thought. And I, I wasn't even a hundred percent clear to ride yet, you know, and I fully put my trust in you. I fully just, you know, trusted the process and i'm so happy because we've made one heck of a team and uh i'm so proud to call you a great friend and uh have the year that we did you know it's 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 really something special especially how we haven't even got to see each other in, in person you know, that's a testament how how great you are and what you do you know we you can ben's been able to to have hour long phone calls with me or jump on a video or me send him a video, give him feedback and, and him being so good at what he does is able to review what I'm doing, hear what I'm saying and give me feedback in real time and, and get me handled and, and get me set in the, in the straight way. And it's so nice having these workouts and a schedule and a regimen where it's, it's one less thing that I got to do. And then when I get to that point, like, okay, it's time to work out today. Ben's got it mapped out and I follow the process A to Z and, and we just see the results. It's, it's been great. Yeah. It's awesome to hear, man. Um, I think like the big thing that you've been really good at too. And again, you are open to it is tweaking your nutrition because obviously like the, the goal was to put on a little bit of size under those legs. So yeah, as, as you well know now, like you got to be eating enough food to do that. And that's probably was some low hanging fruit for you, like previously, or like probably under eating a bit. So that's been like a massive game for you just, and again, a credit to you, how meticulous you've been in tracking that. Like there's been no guesswork there. Like if I open up your workout calendar in the app, like over the last like since we started using that app in February, man, like there's barely a day missing where you haven't tracked your, your meals for the day. I'm, I'm addicted to it. I love it. I love to see the food that I'm putting in my body 
and know that, you know, everything that I'm doing, I'm working toward the mission and uh, working toward the goal. I, I love it. I made up with it. And um, like you said, it was low hanging fruit that I was so skinny because I was flat out. I was doing all this cardio and doing all this training and I wasn't eating enough at all. And I was malnour malnourished compared to what I am now and, and the foods I'm eating now, you know? So uh, when you're putting out, when you're spending all that energy and, and all that, and all that, um, all that work, you have to, to fuel up. You got to refuel. You got to have the fuel for your body. You got to recover. And um, you, you also on that, not only, strength and training wise but but nutritional wise took me to another level and, and kind of showed me the way and it's it's been great like i said i'm addicted to it i love it like in the off season right now like i'm still doing it because i want to want to put on a little bit more size and kind of get strong because the stress and the last little part of the season i wasn't able to 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 hit our same goals and the same weights all the time. Cause I wanted to be safe and not have as much weight on me or strain anything. And now I'm like, okay, baby, let's, it's time to put on some size and, and, and get some strength back and, and get ready for next year. Yeah, definitely, man. That's, it's definitely the right time of season to be doing that. Cause like you say, it's, it's a long year, the GNCC series. So you, you don't want to be coming in to that first round underdone and thinking that you're going to build through the season. You need to be at your absolute peak because you probably like conditioning wise, you're going to get race fitness, but everything else is probably going to go down a little bit. It's very hard to maintain everything and build everything when that you've got the race schedule and the travel schedule that you guys do for the for the entire season. So tell let let's shift gears a little bit to that the championship this year. Like I know when we first spoke on I'm pretty sure it was our first one of our first calls, man, when after the injury, you were like, I'm gonna win that first race when I come back. And and I was like, fuck yeah, we are. <laughs> so <laughs> Let's talk about that, man, because that's what you did. You came out like straight off an ACL reconstruction and won that first race. Man, I got goosebumps thinking about that. You're damn right. I I almost <laughs> forgot. So much has happened. And like you said, it's such a long year. Like We started riding last December, and we was on the bike all the way until a, a week ago. You know, it's such a long year. But that was my goal. I like, I remember, I remember telling you that I was serious. I was like, you know, I, this is my goal. This is what I want. And you got to have a goal. You, you got to have something to shoot for. And uh, man, we put in the work, we put in the time and for us to come out and grab that first win back. That was, that was a statement win that day. You know, a lot of people were tight. They didn't know like, Bryson, how how are you going to do today? You know, what, what, what's your goal? And I was just like, man, I, I just honestly think it's myself. I just want to get on the podium. Like, I never rode with any of my competition. I never got to ride or get no seat time or kind of gauge where I was at. So I'd been off the bike all that time. And then I was riding by myself, you know, where I'm in a unique situation where I don't go south to Florida where the weather's better. I stay up in Ohio and I got a sand pit that's an hour from my house. So I layer up and um, I got some some wind resistant, water resistant hand guards, and I go put in my time on some some deep, rough sand whoops. It's right here in my backyard. And 
man, we shot for that. And we came out that first race and we won. And it just, you almost couldn't dream of it being any happening or, or coming together any better. You know, it's just to win that very first race. That was a very, very special moment because there was so much time that, that, that we put in getting this knee rehabbed, the strength training, all the dues, everything that we did and to come out and win the very first one back. That was, uh, that was huge. That was so huge. And, um, a lot of people did not expect that, to be honest, a lot of people expected us to come out, maybe get a top five, you know what I mean? And then kind of warm up as we went into the year, maybe get better. And, uh, man, we, we came out hot and we came out, we struck hard and struck fast. <laughs> you did, man. And, like for me, thinking back, like if you had told me that like two years ago, I not that I wouldn't have believed you, but I'd never experienced it myself. And then like going through that process with Stuart and then he did the same thing, man. Like he came out and won that first race back, the first GNCC anyway. Like he, he had done a couple of enduros before that, but he come out and won that first GNCC. And that for me myself was like a massive thing because I'm like I knew the way you like you and Stu are like my first like pro GNCC clients that I've had and I knew that how we did things was the right way that I believed in but to have you guys actually put it into action and and follow the process and then come out and win I was like so when you told me that when we had that first call, I was like 100% like, yeah, we're, we're going to win that first race, man. <laughs> there was no doubt. We did it, man. We did it. And that's that's a testament to to your experience and your knowledge. Put me put me um, the right plan together and, and me following through and being able to just stick to the plan, trust the process, put my time in. And, man, we've, we got it done. You know, it's it's very, very hard. You know, there's a lot of people who run these GNCCs. There's so many top, top competition, you know, on, on ATV and dirt bike. And, um, yeah, especially the timetable that you and Stu was on when you guys won that first race back, you was on an even shorter window than what you had with me. So was, oh, he was, man. Yeah. He was much shorter than you. And that's it, honestly, that was challenging for me because yeah, he's like, I'm coming back at this and I'm like, shit like it's only been three <laughs> it's only been three months man but yeah he got it done like he's obviously he's a beast and yeah he, he, he got he got it done man but yeah that's why i was even more confident with you because i knew we had more time we had like eight months so you yeah. you were you'd been on the program for a lot longer so and that's that was the a good thing for me that i had that much time to work with because in the past, I've never been that guy who likes change. I, I've always dreaded it. I've never liked it. I've never liked the change. And now that I'm getting older, I'm seeing things and experiencing things that, you know, sometimes change, you got to try things. And um, if if it would have been on a shorter timetable or something, I would have just stressed my own self out. But where we had such more time to go through all the motions and properly do everything, I felt confident when I first came to that first race. I knew where my fitness was. I knew I was fast on the bike. I could ride two hours and not get tired. And I knew I had a chance to do it, but I just, I 
until you get back on that line and you put that helmet on and you feel your heart beating on that 10 seconds, you get out there, you don't know till, till, till you actually get out there and do it. So I'm just pumped, pumped that we got that, man. That was cool looking back. That's so cool. So you, you said like that was a statement win, man, and, and it was for sure. The other part of the season that stood out to me as a statement was like that second last round, man, when you laid down that pass for the win on Walker. Um, Cause yeah, like that, if you hadn't got that pass, it would have come down to a winner takes all scenario in, in Ironman. Um, yeah. So obviously that was like a, a do or die moment, man. And honestly watching that race for, I think like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, I think it was even the last lap you were still in third or fourth when you came through. And I was like, shit, I don't like, is he going to do it? Is he going to be able to get him? And, and you made it happen, man. So run us through that. Like it was within minutes of the finish line and, and you laid down that pass to take the win. So take us through that. Cause that was a statement statement move for sure. That was probably, you know, my proudest moments of the entire year looking back was we, I broke a swing arm in half. I, I clipped the tree within the first mile on Snowshoe Mountain with my right rear tire. Um, it rained on us, and we came down a fire road. I lost traction, and I just barely just just kissed the tree, and it it ripped my swing arm in half. Wrecked wrecked me, DNF me. Didn't get to finish the race. No points. Walker wins the race. So thirty point swing right there after our forty one point lead, and we came out after the summer. And Beckley, we ended up, we got third that day. It was a mud race. It was, it was real wet, real slick. I didn't get a good start and I got third. So when we came into Burr Oak and Buckwheat 100, which was rounds 11 and 12, um, basically three races to go in the championship series, it was tight and the chips were down and the pressure was on. It wasn't, we need to win. It was, we have to win. We have to win to, to, to save this championship. Um, no. And we stepped up to the plate with, with everything going on around us and we won Baroque and then that Buckwheat 100, it was my mission, you know, to win that race because I wanted to go into this last race at Ironman and not have to be in a situation where it's a winner take all. I wanted that cushion and I worked so, so hard. We, we got a good start. I think we was fifth place going into the woods or actually we were sixth. And it was the track was hero dirt that day. The track was so nice. The the it was just perfect soil, the fields, the flow, but it was really, really tough to pass. So it took me a lap and a half to work my way through the other guys and get to Walker's rear, rear wheels. And right whenever I was really starting to pressure him, really starting to try to get around, I came to a spot on the track where I took a line the lap before and I passed another um, racer named John Glotta. And when I hit this line, I hit it with everything I had and a log had got cocked out and just kicked out just right where it was angled, where it hit my A arm and it flipped me and it wrecked me. So here I'm picking myself up and I remember I'm just, I just kept on saying, no, 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 no. That's all I was saying. Just running back to my bike and flipping over. I just kept saying no. So my whole year is just flashing through my head because I know the track walkers in the lead. The track is really tough to pass and all the work that I just did, I, I, I got to do it again. I only got two laps to do everything I just did. And it's harder once you get to the midway point of the race, because the other racers, they kind of figure out 
the lines that kind of they got caught with their pants down on lap one where I took a line on the left when the inside it was faster I made a pass and I'm like ooh that's the line it's so hard late into the race to make passes on a track that's that's tough to pass on and I I just I put my head down and I kind of shut my brain off and I just I laid it out on the line and I rode that bike for everything it was worth. I didn't care what I was doing, what I, what I was going to put that bike through. I was just like, I'm going for it. And we marched our way through the pack. We passed Glotta. We outbreak Cole Richardson in, in a field section, got him on the inside. Um, going to the last lap, I was in third. Walker and Hunter was right in front of me. And I was all over Hunter trying to get him and I got him right before the five mile marker and um, Walker was just up the trail, you know, probably a few seconds and I closed the gap on him and I just got to his rear wheels and it was probably about the seven or eight, not eight mile marker. And um, there was a spot on the track that we came to. It was a straight downhill, real steep. And at the very bottom, you did an immediate left. 90 degree left-hand corner, real sharp, and a lap rider, it actually broke down right at the bottom of the hill in that corner. Walker goes down the hill first, and he barely, I mean, barely gets up out of the deep ruts, and he's banging this guy's tires, running stuff over, barely makes it. So when I come down the hill, I jump out of the ruts, my left tires running over the trees and the brush and the tree saplings, but I had so much momentum because it's such a steep hill that I two wheeled and I actually tipped over like a cow on top and I landed on top of his bike. I still had my hands on, on the grips, but my bike was kind of like on top of me and I, my feet weren't touching the ground. I had nothing to like power myself to push back over. I was like stuck <laughs> and I was on this guy's bike, holding my bike on top of me and I'm yelling for him to help me. And uh, he, he puts his hands on me. He flips me back over and just that little bit, Walker, he got completely out of sight. I lost him. So I get to the nine mile marker and I got a pit board. He was about eight to 10 seconds. He was just out of sight. And I knew that the field section at the 10 mile marker was my only place I could pass him because after that big, huge field, it was over, you know, it, unless we really got physical and we really ran it in or tried to make something happen because the woods were real tight in the finish line corners. They weren't really good for passing where, where the finish was. So I was just hell bent and hell bound. I was just slipping that clutch. I was, I was in third gear, just, just feathering that thing. Just did not give a damn, just riding that thing for all it's worth throwing it left, <laughs> throwing it right. I completely shut off my brain and I just went for it. And I just threw everything I had and, I was able to get within a few bike links of him right before we pop out in the field. And uh, it took me about 80% of the field to inch my way. Just I kept on trying to hit my marks and put together corners, and I kept on inching closer and closer and closer. And then I got to his rear wheels with like three corners to go in, in the field. And um, I did outside, inside. I pulled up real close onto him. Um I shifted again to the inside of the next corner and our last corner was a left-hand corner and he went in with the way this corner went, kind of shot him out. He was clear on the inside and I went out into the fresh real estate on the right in the grass and I lined it up where I went clear wide and just shot real, real tight up against the pole up the inside. 
I had the momentum. I ran right up against him. We bumped and and we just kind of touched tires. And I was just pointing straight at the pole. I was like, I'm holding my line. I'm holding it wide open. I edged him out. Here he is. He runs right into the side of me. It like just just right into the side of me. My nerf bars, my tires, basically like a T, a straight T-bone. And my bike, <laughs> we come to a complete stop. And I don't even know how we didn't slip, how we didn't wreck. It was just the way that happened. It was like a natural instinct. I shifted my body weight over at the perfect time. He stalled his bike. I kept going. I had a few bike links to work with. My own half to go. Two minutes left in the race. Brought it home. Got the win. And that was, it was huge. It was huge. You know, it was the hardest win I had to work for, I think, ever in the pro class. You know, we, I, I had so much speed. I was feeling the flow that day, but gosh, like it made me really, really work for it. And we came out whenever the chips were down and we got that win and it set us up for Ironman to not have to, not have to win. All we had to do was get fourth place or, or better to get the job done. And that was so big. Absolutely, man. That, yeah, that was that moment. I was watch, watching that entire race, man. And like I said, with that last lap, I was like, fuck, I don't know if he, like, is he going to get it done? And then when you <laughs> when you laid down that pass, I was just screaming at the television in our living room. Darcy and, and, and Tucker. Darcy and, and Tucker. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, the, the boys were looking at me like, what the hell is going on here? Their dad's yelling at a quad rider for the first time on the TV. And we we slowly turned Ben in, in, into liking the quads, guys. So it's that's so cool to to see that you know you've enjoyed watching the racing because the dirt bike guys they we get a lot of flack from them. we we don't they don't like us on the motocross track and I get it you know what I mean I ain't gonna I ain't gonna fight that I know we we mess up the ruts and, and we we blow everything out I could argue with that but it's so cool that you've really started to enjoy the racing and, and we've had really good battles this year. It's been interesting. It's been fun to watch and it's been really cool, you know, from to, to you not really have no experience with the quads and in, in, and now you, you've, you've kind of come to enjoy watching me go around the track and, and, and do what we do, man. It's, it's really cool. It is man. And I've never watched a quad race before this year ever. Um, like I knew, I knew they raced, I knew the, that you raced them at the GNCC, but I'd honestly never watched it, man. So I've, I've learned a ton this year, um, about quads and, and it's just, it's been cool to watch and it has been like, it's some freaking awesome racing goes down in the quad class. Yeah. It's, it's tough to pass on the quads too, because we got the, you know, we're 40 some inches wide. We got the four wheels, the dirt bikes, the GNCC they got so much more real estate to work with more lines open up and develop. They got the, they do three hours. We do two hours. So I don't know if our bikes would make it three hours. If it, I tell you, that'd be a true Testament. If they ever tried to make us race three hours that, and, and every race counts, no drops, all the DNFs, you, you got to take it. You know, it would be tough. It really would be to make those bikes go three hours. So eh, I don't know. I just, really like it and and um i know the dirt bike guys they it's really cool to talk to talk with them at the races and they've enjoyed watching the races more this year they've been some good battles good action and it's, it's really cool definitely man um 
yeah, like you mentioned in that, like when you had to sort of like put your head down and and chase Walker down, like I've been thinking about this a little bit and you can give me your perspective on it, but it's something that I've definitely noticed like with you and Stu again, like you seem to be able to, when you get into one of those high pressure situations in the last part of the race, that you can make it happen when you need to, like that the one, the intensity is there, but two, the focus is there. So I got this, this theory in my head and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, but um, like when, and this is like the other, I believe like the benefit to strength training, like properly the way we do it, like when you're doing a cardio session, like, as you know, like your rowing intervals or your running intervals, like, yes, it's hard, and you do have to focus to an extent, like you focus on your breathing, but there's also a level of distraction there. Like you're almost trying, because it's like your quads are burning, your lungs are burning. You're almost trying to distract yourself a little bit from the pain to get through. Whereas with a barbell, when you got a heavy barbell on your back and you're going for that fifth rep, you can't be distracted. You have to be fully focused on how your body is moving through space, um, so it's like, it's bringing you fully into the moment, which is effectively how you have to be on your, on your bike to ride at your truest potential is you have to be fully focused in the moment with that feeling between the tires and the dirt. And the more present you are in that moment, then the faster you can ride. So do you think that's something that you've, you felt with the, that, that mental benefit from strength training? Oh, for sure. You know, the strength training, it gives you such, it does give you a competitive edge because when you're in that weight room and you're doing the work, we're not doing anything where we're doing a one rep max, but when you got good weight on you and you're doing three, three to six reps, it's heavy. you got to be locked in. you got to be focused, especially whenever you, the, the sets are stacking up, you're getting toward the end, the end of it. If you're doing eight rounds, 10 rounds, whatever the work, the load is that day, you have to be alert and ready and you have to have full intent. You know what I mean? You got to have full focus because one slip, your, your mind goes somewhere else or you think about something else or you get distracted. You can get hurt. You, you, you can make a mistake. You know what I mean? You can drop the weight. You, you can do a lot of different things and, and not make it happen. So to have not only the benefit of actually doing the work and, and, and having your legs and your body that have that adaptation that whenever you're late into a two hour or three hour race, that your legs aren't getting tired. You have no fatigue, not only that benefit, but the mental um, benefit that you get from it of mental toughness of putting yourself through these situations and having the focus and the drive to keep the full intent, especially whenever you, like you said, your legs are heavy, your back's tired. You're at the end of the day. It's been a long week. It's a Friday after the, the work you put in through there. And you're like, I, I got to do it. I got two more sets. You know, your, your mind, you have to lock it in and focus. And that's, that's, a, that's a big key thing that I think a lot of amateur riders could take on to is that you got to focus. You know what I mean? Your mind can, can play tricks on you. It can wander. You know what I mean? And if you're not focused, then things can happen mistakes can be made you can make, make a bad line make take a wrong turn a lot of different things can happen and i think there's a real 
there's a real testament and a trial and a truth to the difference between a focused rider and an unfocused rider for sure very for sure you can you can you can you can get out in left field and make a mistake very easy so you know if 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 you're a guy who's wanting to you know whatever whatever skill level you're on whatever class you're in um it sounds so silly but you need to try to focus and lock it in and clear everything else off your mind the slate and just focus on the task at hand and then doing the strength training like we talked about it definitely helps me for sure yeah that's awesome man i was I was actually going to ask you, like, what what would be your biggest tip to give someone? But I think you, you kind of nailed it there. Like the ability to focus, like that is what makes a a great a champion, like you, a champion endurance athlete. Is you have to be able to focus for the entire race, because like, and especially when it gets down to that window, that last lap, that last half hour of the race, if your mind starts to wander, then. And we see it all the time, like guys drop drop anchor in that last half hour of the race because they like the intensity is not there, but the the mental like when as you know when you get fatigued, you, the first thing that's going to go is your mental function. So you, yeah. yeah, the ability for your physical fitness to handle that, but also just the skill of of focus. It's like it's definitely a big part of the puzzle. Oh, for sure. And, you know, a lot of people think racing is physical. It's all physical, you know, the cardio and, and, and the strength and all the prep and the riding and the hours. But a lot of people skip over the mental side of it. And whenever you're doing, you know, your cardio and you're doing the weight room and you're doing your riding, you're going through mental battles as well. And you got to focus and try to win those because if you're not mentally strong and let's say that you know, you're supposed to do eight reps uh, with a certain amount of weight. And this is your status quo. This is what you want to do. If you always quit on that seventh one and you never complete that eighth one, one time in, in a period of, of three months, you, you just like, I can't do, I don't want, I can't do it. I can't put up the weight. You sell yourself short when you consistently over a period of time, keep coming up short or, taking the easy route or mentally thinking that now I'm not, I can't do that. I'll be all right. Those are leaps and bounds that you're missing of improvement of over a period that you can't think of just one single two hour race. You got to look at it over a year of progress. You got to take that same concept and just look at it as a whole that, you know, I can't quit these workouts. Uh, I can't, I can't just, uh, I'll be okay. I'll get it next week. You got to consistently kind of keep at it. And that goes into the mental toughness bank up there. You know, it all goes in the same pot. It's a combination of a lot of things when you're racing and riding that go into the whole entire picture. Totally, man. Like, yeah, you nailed it there for sure. Like that, that's where I believe that's self-belief, like effect, <clears throat> effectively what you're talking about. There's like, like having that unwavering self-belief within yourself, which it does come from, it comes from every rep every workout and consistency like it's you know when you look back over your 12-month period oh I skipped that workout I I I didn't do like you said I skipped that last set your brain knows that when you're on the start line when you're in that that last part of the race like your subconscious mind knows when you've been cheating the system so that like you said every rep 
every set, every workout, it's a brick in that wall of self-belief and it's just building, building, building. Yep. Yep. You're damn right about that. That is the hundred percent. That's the truth. And if you, if you get used to taking the easy way out or stopping or selling yourself short, then if someone makes a last lap pass on you and you got 10 minutes to go in a three hour race on a dirt bike and you're used to over a period of time, not fighting back that feeling of quitting, then sometimes it's easier for you to just lay over and um, you sell yourself short, you know? So you got to try to do the work and trust the process and, and try to always give your best, you know, because there's things that it's crazy. There's things that you do in January, February, March that affect August, September, October, you know, there's, there's building blocks, there's things, there's mental battles that you go through this, they make you a better person, wiser, smarter, even the hardest days that you can take. You know, they ha- I believe that everything happens for a reason. I'm a realist. I believe that, you know, the hardest lessons, the hardest things that happen to you in life, you got to take something from it, you know, to be like, yeah, I went through that. Yeah, I messed up. Yeah, I didn't quite tighten my chain just enough or I, you know, had a leaky fork seal. I didn't service my shocks just right. Something, whatever you do, it was a mistake and you learn from it and it makes you better. So. Totally, man. Yeah. And that's, again, that's, that's something that you've been able to bring to the table as well, man. Like I've given you the plan to follow. Like that's the, the grit and the work ethic. Like I can help with that to an extent, but at the end of the day, like you're, that's got to come from you. And that's something again, and why you've won this championship because that's you have a, an outstanding level of work ethic and and attention to detail. Yeah. Well, if you if you ask my girlfriend, I'm hard headed. <laughs> I'm, I'm hard headed, and and I'm tough to get along with sometimes. But I I sometimes am my own worst enemy, you know, because I I have a certain feeling, a certain status quo, and and I'm never happy sometimes, you know, I always want more. I always like, well, I did that, but I think I can do better. I think I can get faster or something. It's always pushing for more. So, you know, I, I got a great support group around me, great people and um, just blessed, you know, to, to, to my dad, the way that he was raised and some of the knowledge he gave me, you know, as just, I like to work, I'm a worker and, and, um, if I'm not working, if I'm not being productive, if I'm not trying to give my all or do my best, then I feel like I'm, I'm taking up too much space in this, in this world. So I always just try to do my thing and and try to give my all. And if my name's on it, then it it means something. And I, and I try to do my best. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And again, like you got, you got to have a certain element of that to, to succeed because if you don't, then you, you're not like you, you've got to expect more from yourself all the time. And like, like you said, there's got to be a balance too, right? Like you, you, which I think you've, you've also been really good at this season and like being grateful and, and enjoying the moment for sure. But yeah, you've got to, you've got to have that hunger inside to want that next that next step or else you, you're just gonna you're not gonna chase it right yeah 
balance is the is the perfect world is the perfect word because if you're you can you can be a workaholic and you can chase it seven days in a row and you can keep your head and your nose to the grindstone but if you're never enjoying the little things you're never taking that moment and smiling or appreciating it then you almost lose yourself in what you're fighting for and you gotta yes we all want to do our best yes we want to win we want to try to to accomplish our goals but you gotta enjoy it as well you gotta have fun you gotta um cut it up with the people around you and you can't always be tight you know what i mean that's balance is the perfect word is that you gotta have it you know if you're not happy if you're not a happy happy person then you're not gonna be a happy writer you know what i mean you you gotta have a you gotta have fun in your life you gotta enjoy you gotta smile and that was one of the things at Beckley that, that affected me is that I was so pissed off after snowshoe all summer. I didn't allow myself to have fun. You like, you, you, you know what we did in, in the workouts and everything. Like we, I stayed at it and I never really let myself enjoy things or, or go see friends or, or have fun really in general. I stayed at it and I stayed tight and I kind of closed off um, some avenues. And when I came out at Beckley, I was so tight. I was so tight. I was just had this, this pressure that I never had all year long. I was still the points leader. I was still in shape. I was still fast. But the way that I went about it, I actually hindered myself because I wasn't my same smiley beanie self, you know, Hey man, how you doing? What's going on? Like, I was just a little too tight and you got to have a balance. You know what I mean? You can't lose touch with, with the fun part about it. That's for sure. Totally, man. Yeah. That, that tension, right? Whenever there's tension there, you, you're going to ride tight. And you, again, that, that potential thing, like that window of performance, you're going to be outside of it when there's tension there. So like you said, like when you're, when you're feeling happy and like happy, so I guess a, it's got a different meaning to everyone, but like when you are, when you're relaxed, I suppose, when you're relaxed, that's when you can, can be fully present in the moment. Yeah. I, I think it's um, the Slovenian champion and MXGP Tiger. Um, he, he says uh, all the time on his has on his hashtags, he says, happy rider, fast rider or something very close to that. And it is, yeah. it's the truth. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, man. Totally. Um, is there like before we wrap up? Is there anything that anyone else that like? Obviously, there's a long list of people, man, and, and your sponsors and everything. But is there anyone else that you'd you'd like to thank? Uh, you know, I always got to give a special shout out to my dad. You know, my dad. I I feel like he never. He, we have so many great sponsors and so many people, but like, man, my dad. I wouldn't be in a position that I that I'm in. I wouldn't have made the choices or decisions. My dad has always been kind of above me, steering my ship, you know, things that that I never saw coming um, or decisions or changes on the bike. He he put a lot of time and just staying up and, and talking to people on the phone and, and just always pushing and trying to learn something more and trying to make new friends and new contacts. And my dad has done so much for me and he's my best friend. He's my right-hand man. He's, uh, we did this championship together out of our race shop. 
I like I do basically all my own mechanic work and um, I do all my own work on the ATV side of things. I am my own mechanic. I'm the team manager. I'm the racer, the, all that, you know, so um, it's a bit different on the ATV side and that, and that part, but my dad, I always got to just tell him like, man, I love you. I appreciate you. And uh, none of this would have happened without him because it started out as just me and him. And then, you know, the last month he, he took off work. He was actually able to use in between jobs and he was actually here the entire time and helping me in the shop here in this last month. And when things were the tightest for the championship chase and it meant the world because you just think back all them years ago, it was just me and him in the shop. And then here at the end, you know, we're still together, still doing the same thing. And we got it done out of our same race shop. And it's, it's cool. So I always got to give a special shout out to him because, you know, he's, he's my biggest driver, motivator, best friend, all that. Like, it's just, he's the man. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And it's, that's, it's a worthwhile part of the story mentioning too, man. Like you guys, like you have done it as, like you said, you, there's no sort of factory mechanic or anyone sort of doing all that stuff for you. Like you guys have done all that yourself. So it, it's a credit to everyone around you, man. Yeah. Cause it's, oh. Oh, Cause like you say, like the, the mechanical side of it is so huge in the, in the ATVs, like the breakdowns and, and cause they are, it's a lot more demanding on the machine. So, and there's a lot more parts that can break. So like how meticulous you have to be with building that bike to make sure it survives each race is like next level compared to a, to a dirt bike. Yeah. We're, we're complicated, man. We are so complicated. We got double the problems because we got double the wheels more bearings, more things that can fail. It's just when you get a stock bike, a stock dirt bike from the showroom floor, you know, you can almost be competitive, you know, with a, with a couple thousand dollars and, and, and still go out there and lay it down, have fun. But a quad, you buy that from the showroom floor, you're nowhere in the ballpark. You like, you can't compete. You can't show up and race that thing. And, um, you, to the amount of work and the aftermarket parts that that um the atv world that you got to do i mean we basically we use the frame itself and the radiator um and the front and rear stock brake calipers and other than that i mean everything is custom everything is modified everything's aftermarket and there's so much work and development that goes into it and it's just we're just complicated. You know, it's just, it's a lot of work in the shop because GNCC is there's no drops. There's every race counts, just like any pro pro series. So every race counts, we got 13 weekends that we travel to. And like we said, it's such a long year. Uh, our series begins in February and then it just ended this past weekend. So that long to stay in shape, stay training and stay on your toes and try to chase perfection in the shop. It's, it's a task. It's a task and it's hard, but, um, you know, we love it. We, we, we love to ride. We, we, we eat it. We, we dream it. We, we do it. So, um, we just, at the end of the day, I can't be anything except blessed and happy that I'm in a position I am, um, to be able to do what I love. So that means the world. Yeah, it's awesome, man. And again, it's just testament to that. Like you say, it's like years and years of building that program, right? Like just learning and learning and refining and refining that program to to get it dialed. Yeah. Yeah, it's 
there's a lot to it to this Yamaha's. You know, you the harness it comes stock three pounds. We cut a pound and a half out of it, and then you know with the fuel injection, the ECU, and different combination of your cam and the timing, everything's got to be got to be in line, the same, perfected, and just GNCC tracks alone. Whenever the terrain that we cover, you know you. You have so many different things, so many different elements just thrown at you with snowshoe mountain with the with the rocks it's as big as our quad, you know, and then you got sand, sand, four foot sand whoops in Florida. And so many things can happen. So many riders are out there on the track who can affect your races. Sticks can can poke your radiator, drain all your fluid. It's just you can hit a tree at any point, anytime, anywhere. I mean, it's there's so much to try to go to there's so much that goes into it it's you can't think about it or you get overwhelmed <laughs> you know you just got to know that you know how to ride and you just go out you do your best and you prep the bike as best as you can because you start trying to piece together all the things you're scared about that could stop you that you're not you're going to ride defensive you're, you're going to be riding out there with styrofoam and and uh, and floaties on <laughs> yeah that's right man like and that's you it's a good lesson for people to learn too. Like you can, you can only control what you can control, right? So, so long as that bike's prepped when you go out, you just, it's full send and, and, and if shit happens, it happens, but you, you can't be thinking that way. You can't be riding defensive. You know, cause uh, it's just, everyone knows if you ride, you're going to fall. You're going to break, you're going to break down. You're going to have problems no matter what, no matter if you got, you know, Mitch Payton as, as your top, as your head mechanic over your entire program and you got a factory backing, things fail. Shit happens. You know, you, 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 you wreck no matter what these things happen. You just, you got to take it in stride and, and try to do your best and be prepared for everything that's thrown at you. So, cause it's going to happen regardless of what you, what you want to happen or what you wish for you're going to have problems arise and you got to take it in stride and try to deal with it. Totally, man. Yeah. This has been a good chat, man. I've enjoyed it. I'm, I reckon there's heaps of value in this one that, that people could take away for sure from the conversation. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed our time together, man. It's uh it's been a really good chat. I started out a, a little tight, but man, about midway through, I, I really feel like we, we covered some really good subjects that, I hope a lot of people can can take take something from from experience or or try something new or try something different or have a different perspective. So I, I really enjoyed our chat and I appreciate your time for having me on and everything that you do for me. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. Like I say, it's working with someone like you, man, makes my job easy because you you bring a lot of that, a lot of that stuff <laughs> to the table that that yeah, it, it it makes my job easy when when I when you can bring that work ethic to the table, man. So yeah, it's a, been a pleasure, man. Uh, likewise, man. You you make you make my job easy too for the tools and knowledge you brought to the table and the things you taught me. We've turned out to be a really great team, especially with just doing video chat and, and phone calls, and us never even get to shake each other's hand or even cut it up and see each other in person. You know, it's. It's, it's really special, and um, I, I really appreciate everything that you've done for me. I, it's great to call you a very true friend, and the work 
and the time that, that that we've invested in this it means the world to me it's something i'll never forget and uh love you man and uh looking forward to another good year we did the road to recovery now we joked the other day now we're gonna try the road to repeat so the work is on new challenges new goals and we'll do what we can brother 100 percent, man just getting started um yeah we'll we'll, we'll the plan is to meet next year, right? We'll try and make that happen. Whether whether I get over there or you get over here, one way or another, we'll we'll get to actually meet in person. <laughs> yep. One way or another. Either I'm coming to Australia or Ben's coming to the USA, or both <laughs> might happen. You never know. So but well, I really was uh, looking forward to trying to come over to Australia. So it, that would be a trip of a lifetime. I've always wanted to come over there from the outside looking in, you know. You're on the other side of the world. It's it's always crazy to me that, you know, you're awake. I'm just going to sleep and you're just starting your day. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's cool. So I really want to visit there one day. It's on my bucket list. It's, it's, you guys got so many cool, cool places. And, uh, as my girlfriend has wanderlust, she loves to travel. We love to travel and we haven't got to go out anywhere outside the country. So if, if we can, knock that off the list and come see you and be able to do some workouts, cut it up, eat some steak, eat some good food and, and, and enjoy a couple beers and some laughs together. It'll mean the world. Yeah, man. It'll be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. 2023. Yep. We're making it happen. <laughs> we got to manifest it, manifest it to, to come true. So <laughs> awesome, man. Um, like I said, it's been an awesome chat. I really appreciate your time and sharing all of that, that wisdom with the listeners. All right, brother. You you have a great day and thanks for having me on and I'll talk soon. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you've made it this far and you would like to check out my training program options, you can go to my website, www.racereadyoffroadcoaching.com. We've got a few different options there to suit different level of rider and different level of budget, depending on what you want to get out of your training. So, Thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next podcast.